Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dafa Shavua. Getting deeper and deeper into Maseches Yevamos and Perik Arel. Daf Ayin Zayin. Okay, this week we're going to try to uh, break the shear into two parts. We're going to deal with uh, Doeg, the famous uh, Doeg Adomi, who finds his way into many different uh, Gemaras. The key Gemara, of course, is here on uh, Ayin Zayin, Ayin Vav, Ayin Zayin. We get him in uh, Sanhedrin, where he's listed as one of the people who does not have a chilek in Olam Haba. And it's a very famous uh, parak of Tehillim, where David HaMelech takes no prisoners. Lamanatzeach, this is Tehillim Nun Beis, Lamanatzeach Maskila David, Bevo Doeg Hadomi, Vayaged L'Shol. The source for all of this is two prakim in Shmuel, Chaf Aleph and Chaf Beis. And I'm going to show you a little bit of Halach Lamaisa, how Doeg is brought down La Halacha. I'll just give you straight out from the Chavetz Chaim and Kavot Shemayim Perik Beis. Kolam is Loshon Hara, Horeg Shlosha. Someone who speaks Loshon Hara kills three people. Ha'omro, the speaker. Ha'makablo, the person who receives it. Ha'nemra love. And the subject, the person about whom Loshon Hara is spoken. Now, when it comes to Doeg, there's a question if it's actually Lashon Hara or Rechilas, and the Chavetz Chaim actually points out, this is in uh, Rechilas, Bermaim Chaim, Klal Gimel Sifkatan Beis, how you see that Rechilas and Lashon Hara are sometimes used interchangeably. Almo Digam Rechilas Nikra Lashon Hara. So we're not going to get into exactly uh, what the slander was. Going back to the Chavetz Chaim and Kavetz Shemayim Perik Beis, Haina Doeg Sha'amru, Doeg uh, spoke it. He eventually uh, loses everything. In fact, the Gemara tells us in Masechus uh, Sanhedrin, Adaf Kuvav, he lost his Torah because his Torah only came out of his mouth. He was a huge Talmud Chacham, maybe the head, one of the greatest leaders of the Sanhedrin, but the Torah was really very empty. He ends up becoming a Mitzvah and he ends up dying. Sha'ol, Shekiblu, Shaul's death is associated with this. And Achimelech Hanemer Alav. Achimelech, about whom the Lashon Hara was said, Kamosha Kasav B'Shmuel. The basic story is that as David was running away from his father-in-law, Shaul, he's forced to run to a community called Nov, which is the city of Kohanim, which is where the Mishkan was. And he asked Achimelech, who is the Kohen, to give him bread and a sword. And he did so, assuming that David was on a mission supporting Shaul, because this is before Shaul turned against him. So Achimelech here was totally unsuspecting. At the same time, Doeg, who's identified as the Edomite, uh, the basic shot, he's not from Edom, but he may have lived in the Edom area. There are a few other reasons given in the Gemara. So he was always after David HaMelech. The way it ties into our Gemara is in our Gemara he's questioning the lineage. He said there's no way in the world that he should be allowed to be a leader, even if he converted, because he is from Moab. He was not accepting the Moab Vlo Moavit. 
which is we know that David comes from Rut. So the Gemara there, the the uh, what you find in Shmuel, and again, just you put together with all the different sources, he reports this to Shaul, and he tells Shaul, Doeg tells Shaul that Shaul um, has not only David as an enemy, but he now has Achimelech as an enemy, and this treacherous uh, Rechilos, Lashon Hara, incited David Amelech to wipe out the city of Nov, obviously including Achimelech. So this becomes a prime example of uh, the dangers of Lashon Hara, I mean, to an extreme case. And this is why you're going to find Doeg in so many different uh, Svarim being used as the prime example of how far Lashon Hara could go and the motivations behind it. The Shari Tshuva discusses this in Hilchos, uh, in, in Rabbeinu Yonah, and it comes up in uh, so many other places. I just wanted to give you a sense of where it's coming from. Okay, what I want to understand now is just on a basic level, Shaloisa Amoni Umoavi Bas Yisrael, which is based on a Pasuk and Devarim, Chaf Gimel Dalit. Now, the Ramban points out, and this is definitely accepted by the Sefer Rachinuch, as I'll show you, and it's really the Pashat way of reading the Pasuk, that there's a mistake, actually, the way many people understand what exactly did Amon do and what did Moab do. I think most people say, because they didn't, uh, they just say they, Lo yavo amoni, let me read you the Pasuk in Perichof Gimel Pasuk Dalet. Lo yavo amoni or moavi b'kal Hashem. You can't have amoni or moavi b'kal Hashem. Gam dar asiri lo yavo lehem b'kal Hashem ad olam. And then you have in the next Pasuk, al devar shelo kidmu aschem balechem v'mayim, but derech b'tzeschem mimitzrayim. Because they didn't greet you with lechem and mayim when you needed it on the way out of Mitzrayim. Vasher Sachar Alecha as Bilam. We know that Moab hired Bilam ben Bahar Mipsar Aram Naharayim Lakaleka. So these two are often put together. The Ramban says you have to make a uh, bifurcation over here. Al Dvar Shelo Kidmo Eschem Balechem Vamayim, by Derech Butzeschem Mitzrayim, that applies to Amon. Vasher Sachar Alecha as Bilam, the hiring of Bilam ben Pahar, that applies to Moab. It's just Pashup Shat in the Torah. The Gemara, you know, if you could combine what Gemara we learned last week together with the Gemara this week, and you look at the Mefarshim, so the men would be the ones who were responsible for Lokidmu Eschem Balechem, right? Because the women generally would be inside. The Gemara brings the proof from Sari Menu, ironically. And Asher Sachar Alecha as Bilam ben Baar Mibsar Ram Naraim Lekalecha, that applies to Moab. And again, it would be the men who would hire, were involved in the hiring of Bilam as opposed to the women. That wasn't their role. I just want to point something out. There's somebody asked me in Shulon Shabbos before we come to Ammon and Moab, and it's obviously a great question. I don't have a great answer. But I'm going to answer it with uh, something that I happened to just see from Rav Sternbach, and then we'll come back to our sugya. 
like the Mitzrim, it only goes for a few generations because they took care of us. Now, you're going to say they took care of us? What kind of taking care of us is that? Did Mitzri, were the Mitzrim better to us than what we're seeing? I understand the Mitzrim and Bilam, but is the Mitzrim better than Ammon and Moab? So I don't have a great answer, but you know clearly the Gemaras are operating with Hakar Satov, that at least for all those years they hosted us, and maybe it means not just the years of slavery, but the years before slavery. And Hakar Satov is something that is so difficult to ever pay back. I mentioned the idea that uh, it's a very uh, counterintuitive idea that the reason why Avram Avinu wanted to pay, this is what the Rav Sternbach says in this past week's parsha, that the reason Avram Avinu wanted to pay for Ephron, for the land, was so he wouldn't have to have Hakar Satov. Do you understand? If he would have just taken the gift of Eretz Yisrael for free or that piece of property for Sarah for free, he would have had in his entire life the responsibility to have Hakar Satov. And he he didn't feel that he was able to fulfill the Hakar Satov that he would owe. Therefore, he'd rather pay for it. And then, okay, he'd have to have a basic level of Hakar Satov for being sold, but he wouldn't be burdened by Hakar Satov. Imagine that karsatov we need to have to our parents, which is the Rebona Shalom, right, just for the gifts that we've been given. And he brings in a Misa that the Briskarov was once uh, once made a wedding for one of his children. And the caterer comes to the Briskarov and he says, you don't pay for the wedding. Imagine a deal like that at the end of the wedding. You think, you know, you're probably worried about how you're going to pay for the wedding. And the Briskarov is told, nope. The caterer says, this is all on the house. The entire thing is on the house. You're the briskarov. You do so much for us. And the briskarov demanded to pay. And he gave the same explanation. He said, if I would have a wedding for free, the rest of my life I'm going to be burdened by hakar satov. And I'm not going to be able to fulfill it. I'd rather pay you. I still have hakar satov to you for giving me a nice deal and having the chasen and all the good things that come from it. But there's no way in the world I could take this for free. So maybe there's something like that with Mitzrayim, at least for the good years, and then maybe for the fact that we were able to build up as a nation, unlike uh, Ammon and Moab. And again, you could tie it with Moab, we get Rus, but that again, there was never the restriction on Moab, on the women, it was only the restriction on the men. This whole question of uh, who you're allowed to marry into, actually, I don't think I mentioned it last week, is uh, discussed by some of the Rishonim, the Drushes Haran, the Barbanel, in light of uh, Avram's choice to send Eliezer back to the place where he left. And the basic explanation that's given is that although they were Ovdev obviously they were idol worshippers. And Avram Avinu left uh, that background, but their Midos were considered to be better. Now, you can't say the Midos were perfect, yet you see Lavan and Psua, at least according to the way Medrash and Chazal understand their behavior. I did point out in a different shear that at least in last week's Parsha, <coughs> which is Pasha's Chayesara, the Chaskuni takes an approach, 
that Lavan and Basuel were pretty good people. Um, it's a different approach. You see that what's her, uh, Rivka is identified with them. She says, I'm the daughter of Basuel. It's a family with values. There's no P. Legesh involved. Um, she knew that they would be able to host guests. Lavan even was somewhat of a plurist in the fact that he cleaned out the Avodah to allow the guests to come in. But even if you took an approach, which is a more cynical approach to them, like Rashi's approach, they still were better off than the people who were in Canaan in general. Or it could be, if you look carefully into uh, some of the sources, it was specifically in the realm of uh, sexual immorality that Canaan kit Mitzrayim. That's the Pasuk that tells us Kamasi Eretz Mitzrayim and Canaan in uh, Pashas Acharimos. But either way, these are old questions that predate even the Amon and the Moab. Now, I wanted to read you something from the Sefer Achinuch just to understand Halacha what happens today if a uh, Ger, Gioras, but specifically a Ger, because we learn at the end that it's only the uh, males. And in fact, the uh, Bach, <coughs> in his uh, Hakdama, he has a say from Mesh of Nefesh on Megillus Rus, he says, The whole reasoning for Sefer Rus is to establish that there shouldn't be any question about this halacha. So we're not going to have any questions about David HaMelech's uh, yichus. You also have uh, much of, of uh, Divrei Hayamim, many explain, is in order to establish David HaMelech as the Melech. But just for a halacha lemaisa, if we can make this halacha lemaisa, what happens today? Somebody comes in front of Rabbanim for a, for a gerus, a male. And um, how do we know? whether this person is appropriate or not. Maybe he comes from one of these nations. So the Chinuch tells us, that before Sancheir of the Melech of Ashur came on Yerushalayim, this is where the eleven, the ten Shvatim uh, were dispersed. V'hegla es Yisrael, v'gam bilbel kola umos v'arvan his idea in order to weaken other nations was to mix them up, to transplant them away from their homeland, Shahu Melchakola Olam, and he ruled the world. Then the only thing that's important is Geras. Once the person has Geras, we do not uh, check each person. Without getting into the whole analysis of Kalaporesh, but the assumption is that he's come from one of the other nations because they're the majority. Shane Rov, Kenegad B'nai Amon Moav, and he adds to Kenegad Mitzrayim, Va'ad Domiyim, Shenesru Gamkein, Kemoshenetzavu, Besamach. This is where he's going to discuss this before. We don't have to ask what nation he comes, then assuming that they're able to pass the Geras test, then 
they are satisfactory. I don't mean a particular test, but all of the ways that a person qualifies for being a ger. But it doesn't take away the root of the concept. And this is something to say when looking for shiduchim in general, even if we're not uh, dealing with gerim. And I just wanted to read you what the Chinuch says, Mishar Sheha Mitzvah, Mashim Mefurash Beparsha, what exactly was the issue? He focuses the issue first on Asher Lo Kidmu Eschem Balechem, which we've highlighted is Amon issue, Amon, and then the second issue is the Moab issue of have, hiring a hand, Bilam, to mess up the Jewish people. How important the Gemilas Chasadim are. So we have to have, we're not supposed to generally be hateful people, but we have to have that attitude of sinna and separation from them. And the assumption is, is that this was not just a one-time thing, but this was their attitude. He says this as far as Amon and Moav as Bilam And it's the same thing with uh, Bilam. So both different ways to destroy us by not being friendly, by not letting us sustain ourselves, and by actively going out to curse. Either way, it's enough of a basis to knock it out. And he tells us, the Sefer Achinuch, that you're going to look into Maseches Yivamis, into Perek Arel, Midene HaMitzvah Mashamur Zachron Levracha, Shehazacharim Dafka, Mimnei Ammon HaMoav, Heim Uvnehem Ad Olam, Bekal. It's specifically the males, Abba Nekevos, Mutaros, Miyad, that as soon as she converts, right away, you don't have to wait three generations, she is allowed in. Because it's the way of the man to greet them. Same thing that we explained out. Now he doesn't... Um, restate the way we explained it according to the Ramban as far as the cursing with Moab, but we're going to assume that uh, the same applies. Okay, I wanted to give you an overview, halacha what applies, and we should have a great week of learning.